This case concerns patents covering antibodies engineered by scientists that help reduce levels of LDL cholesterol, or bad cholesterol, that can lead to cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, and strokes. Two pharmaceutical companies, Amgen and Sanofi, each developed a PCSK9 inhibiting drug to help reduce LDL cholesterol. In 2011, Amgen obtained a patent for the antibody employed in its drug, and Sanofi received one covering the antibody used in its drug. Each patent describes the relevant antibody by its unique amino acid sequence. The dispute in this case concerns two additional patents Amgen obtained in 2014 that relate back to the company's 2011 patent. These later issued patents purport to claim for Amgen an entire genus of antibodies. After Amgen obtained the 2014 patents, it sued Sanofi for infringement. In response, Sanofi claimed that it wasn't liable to Amgen for infringement because Amgen's relevant claims were invalid under the Patent Act's enablement requirement, a provision that requires a patent applicant to describe the invention in such full, clear, concise, and exact terms as to enable any person skilled in the art to make and use the invention. Sanofi characterized the methods Amgen outlined for generating additional antibodies as amounting to little more than a trial-and-error process of discovery, which failed to meet the enablement requirement because they sought to claim for Amgen's exclusive use potentially millions more antibodies than the company had taught persons skilled in the art to make. Both the district court and the federal circuit sided with Sanofi. The question before the Supreme Court in this case was whether Amgen's two 2014 patents satisfied the Patent Act's enablement clause, that is, describing the invention with sufficient particularity that would enable a skilled artisan to make and use the claimed invention. The court held that they did not. Let's find out why in Amgen, Inc. v. Sanofi. Justice Gorsuch delivered the opinion for a unanimous court. The development of antibody drugs has yielded life-changing therapies. Individuals across the world now rely on antibody drugs to treat conditions ranging from Crohn's disease to cancer. This case concerns patents covering antibodies that help reduce levels of low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, sometimes called LDL cholesterol, or bad cholesterol, because it can lead to cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, and strokes. The case comes to us this way. Several years ago, petitioners, Amgen, obtained two patents. Together, these patents claim a monopoly over all antibodies that, one, bind to specific amino acids on a naturally occurring protein known as PCSK9, and, two, block PCSK9 from impairing the body's mechanism for removing LDL cholesterol from the bloodstream. Soon after receiving these patents, 
Amgen sued respondents Sanofi for infringement. In response, Sanofi argued that the patents were invalid under Section 112 of the Patent Act. That provision requires a patent application to describe its invention in such full, clear, concise, and exact terms as to enable any person skilled in the art to make and use the invention. Sanofi contended that Amgen's patents failed to meet this standard because they sought to claim for Amgen's exclusive use potentially millions more antibodies than the company had taught scientists to make. In the end, both the district court and federal circuit sided with Sanofi. The question we face is whether to disturb their judgment. Part 1 Section A. The immune system produces antibodies as a defense to foreign agents called antigens. When a particular antigen, a virus for example, enters the body, the immune system generates antibodies to attack it. In a successful attack, the antibodies target and bind to the antigen, stopping it from causing harm to the body. Antibodies are incredibly diverse. Some scientists estimate that there may be as many unique antibodies as there are stars in the galaxy. This diversity shows up in both structure and function. Start with structure. When scientists refer to an antibody's structure, they may have in mind several related concepts, each of which describes what an antibody is. Antibodies are made up of amino acids, and scientists commonly identify a particular antibody according to its specific sequence of amino acids, what they call an antibody's primary structure. But antibodies are not just linear chains of amino acids. As the atoms of the amino acids interact with each other, they create folds that result in complex three-dimensional shapes. Scientists refer to an antibody's intricate topography as its tertiary structure. An antibody's structure does much to dictate its function, its ability to bind to an antigen and, in some instances, to block other molecules in the body from doing the same. For an antibody to bind to an antigen, the two surfaces have to fit together and contact each other at multiple points. But just because an antibody can bind to an antigen does not mean that it can also block. To bind and block, the antibody must establish a sufficiently broad, strong, and stable bond to the antigen. Different antibodies have different binding and blocking capacities based on the amino acids that compose them and their three-dimensional shapes. Despite recent advances, aspects of antibody science remain unpredictable. For example, scientists understand that changing even one amino acid in the sequence can alter an antibody's structure and function. But scientists cannot always accurately predict exactly how trading one amino acid for another 
will affect an antibody's structure and function. As Amgen's expert testified at trial, the way in which you get from sequence to that three-dimensional structure isn't fully understood today. It's going to get a Nobel Prize for somebody at some point, but translating that sequence into a known three-dimensional structure is still not possible. Section B. While the immune system naturally produces an army of antibodies to protect us from various harms, scientists are now able to engineer antibodies to assist in treating diseases. Some of these lab-made antibodies target not foreign agents, but the body's own proteins, receptors, and ligands. While naturally occurring in our bodies, these proteins, receptors, and ligands can also be involved in inflammatory disorders, uncontrolled cell growth, or other biological pathways that may be associated with disease. One part of this effort has focused on the creation of antibodies to treat patients with high LDL cholesterol. A silent killer, LDL cholesterol can contribute to the formation of plaque in the arteries that may lead to cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, and strokes. For many people with high LDL cholesterol, drugs called statins offer an effective treatment. For others, statins do not work well or come with unwelcome side effects. In those cases, a relatively new antibody-based treatment, known as a PCSK9 inhibitor, may be appropriate. PCSK9 is a naturally occurring protein that binds to and degrades LDL receptors. That can pose a problem because the body produces LDL receptors to perform the beneficial function of extracting LDL cholesterol from the bloodstream. Scientists have understood this much for some time, but it wasn't until fairly recently that they began exploring how antibodies might be used to inhibit PCSK9 from binding to and degrading LDL receptors as a way to treat patients with high LDL cholesterol. In the mid-2000s, a number of pharmaceutical companies began looking into the possibility of making antibodies to target PCSK9. More precisely, they sought to create antibodies that could bind to a particular region of PCSK9 called the sweet spot. By binding to the sweet spot, scientists found an antibody could prevent PCSK9 from binding to and degrading LDL receptors. Eventually, Amgen developed a PCSK9-inhibiting drug that it marketed under the name Rapatha, and Sanofi produced one it labeled Praluent. Each drug employs a distinct antibody with its own unique amino acid sequence. Amgen obtained a patent for the antibody employed in Rapatha, and Sanofi received one covering the antibody used in Praluent. Each patent describes the relevant antibody by its amino acid sequence. Neither of these patents is at issue in this case. Instead, our dispute focuses on two additional patents Amgen obtained in 2014 that relate back to the company's 2011 patent. We refer to them as the 165 
and 741 patents. In particular, this case revolves around claims 19 and 29 of the 165 patent and claim 7 of the 741 patent. In these claims, Amgen did not seek protection for any particular antibody described by amino acid sequins. Instead, Amgen purported to claim for itself the entire genus of antibodies that, one, bind to specific amino acid residues on PCSK9, and two, block PCSK9 from binding to LDL receptors. As part of its submission to the patent office, Amgen identified the amino acid sequences of 26 antibodies that perform these two functions, and it depicted the three-dimensional structures of two of these 26 antibodies. But beyond that, Amgen only offered scientists two methods to make other antibodies that perform the binding and blocking functions it described. The first method is what Amgen calls the roadmap. At a high level, the roadmap directs scientists to 1. Generate a range of antibodies in the lab. 2. Test those antibodies to determine whether any bind to PCSK9. 3. Test those antibodies that bind to PCSK9 to determine whether any bind to the sweet spot as described in the claims and 4. Test those antibodies that bind to the sweet spot as described in the claims to determine whether any block PCSK9 from binding to LDL receptors. The second method is what Amgen calls conservative substitution. This technique requires scientists to 1. Start with an antibody known to perform the described functions, 2. Replace select amino acids in the antibody with other amino acids known to have similar properties, and three, test the resulting antibody to see if it also performs the described functions. Section C. Soon after receiving the 165 and 741 patents, Amgen sued Sanofi for infringing them. Sanofi replied that it was not liable to Amgen because the relevant claims were invalid as a matter of law. Invalid, Sanofi said, because Amgen had not enabled a person skilled in the art to make and use all of the antibodies that perform the two functions Amgen described in its claims. While Amgen had identified the amino acid sequences of 26 antibodies that bind to PCSK9 and block it from binding to LDL receptors, Sanofi observed that Amgen's claims cover potentially millions more undisclosed antibodies that perform these same functions. And, Sanofi argued, neither of the two methods Amgen had outlined for generating additional antibodies with the same functions enable a person skilled in the art to do so reliably. Instead, Sanofi submitted, those methods require scientists to engage in little more than a trial and error process of discovery. After lengthy proceedings, 
the district court granted Sanofi judgment as a matter of law, concluding that the claims and issue are not enabled. The Federal Circuit affirmed. It determined that no reasonable fact-finder could conclude that Amgen had provided adequate guidance to make and use the claimed antibodies beyond the narrow scope of the 26 working examples it had identified by their amino acid sequences. In response to Amgen's petition for certiorari, we agreed to take up the case. This opinion has been divided into two parts, and we've just finished the first. Next episode, we will pick up exactly where we left off. Until then, thanks for listening to What SCOTUS Wrote Us.